0: Last week, I woke up to find that time had come grinding to a halt. And this was especially upsetting to me because it was the very first day of the semester and we hadn't even had a class yet. I had been back on campus for two days. I hadn't even gotten all of my books from the bookstore yet because of that stupid, back-ordered French textbook. It's a total clown show over there. But regardless, this is how it goes. I woke up. Dolores was curled asleep at the foot of my bed, and somehow she felt heavier than usual. I stood up, I got out of bed. Dolores never shifted. It was almost like she was stuck to the mattress, kind of like a magnet. And my first thought was the day felt hollow, I guess you'd say. The room was neither cold nor hot, and... Somehow that was more shocking to me than if I'd been freezing or burning. It was like the air just wasn't moving. I don't know. I thought maybe I was still a little bit high from last night, so I didn't think about it. I just looked around the room. My grandmother's bed was empty, as was Eric's. He'd gone up the night before and stayed with Jess. I opened my mini-fridge under the bed and took out a can of cold brew. The fridge didn't seem to be running, and the cold brew felt, if anything, like lukewarm brew in my hand. I opened it. I took a swig. It tasted like liquid nothing, but I was grateful for the caffeine. I flipped the light switch, and nothing happened. I sighed. The power must have gone out overnight. They'd been calling for a heavy snowstorm, and we were in an old building, so it could be hours still before the power came back. I picked up my phone, and I saw that it had ceased charging. The clock now said 8.18 a.m., I didn't have anything until my narrative nonfiction class at 10 o'clock, and I was hungry. So I grabbed my clothes for the day and my towel and made my way into the bathroom, but to my surprise, the showers did not run. Nor, I found, did the toilets flush, which was unfortunate since I had made brown and therefore had to flush it down. I brushed my teeth, I combed my hair, I put on my deodorant, I still looked rough. I forced a smile to myself, and I said, It's going to be a good semester. I went into the bedroom and dressed myself, and I gave Dolores a little kissy kiss on her head and picked up my phone and went out, and when I did, I saw that the phone still displayed 8.18 a.m. I shrugged and popped the phone back in my pocket and pulled my coat around me. I stepped outside, bracing for the freezing air that I knew would hit me.
1: Will? Can you hear me?
0: But it didn't. Outside, everything had that same terrible, neutral feeling that the room had had. And even more surprising, the snow, the blizzard that had been predicted, held itself in the air like painted stars in the sky. It didn't fall, it just hung there, frozen.
1: yoo Well... I
0: turned. I thought maybe I'd heard a voice, but somehow that felt impossible. There was no sound around me, just void and vacuum and emptiness, and for a second I thought maybe, maybe I was having a stroke or something neurological, and then I had the terrible thought that maybe I'm dead. Hello? I called out, but it was very empty. The words died in the air almost as soon as they left my mouth. Maybe I was tripping, maybe what I'd smoked last night had been laced with something, but That didn't seem possible. It had felt like normal last night, and if the weed had been laced, I mean, I would have felt it sooner, I'm sure, but... I mean, psychedelics usually act faster than this, and when I take them, they don't stick around very long. I mean, the shrooms last spring had only stuck with me for about... three hours, maybe. The ayahuasca the year before had gone on for about five or six, but they'd faded. This didn't feel like tripping. I felt awake. I felt alert. I took out my phone, which still told me that it was 8.18 a.m., and I began to walk up the hill toward the student union. And now, this, this is where it gets juicy. The inside of the student union is always a beehive of activity in the morning. Cooks cook, baristas bariste, students dine while staff and faculty members sip coffee, and always there's the sound of whatever the radio station is playing. Always there is some kind of sound. But not this time. There was no sound in the student union as I stepped in. Though there were people. I saw them on the stairs. Two young women, walking side by side down the stairs, one with her foot in the air. They were just standing there, stock still. The whole dining room was stock still. Students walked in permanent place or sat at their tables in tableau. No one moved. No one made any sound at all. It was was soundless. I found Kevin sitting at one of the tables. His hand was bandaged from where he'd broken it before break. Kevin usually moves away from me whenever he sees me coming, but this time, his eyes were closed. He was in mid-sneeze. Kevin? I asked him.
1: Uh, hello? Kevin? He can't hear you. What? I said, that man cannot hear you. Olivia? Hold on.
0: There was a buzzing sound coming from somewhere in the distance. I looked at my phone, but it was still frozen. A voice said,
1: Pick up a banana. What? I said, pick up a banana and pretend it's a phone. Trust me.
0: So I went over to the marketplace where a small bowl of fruit sat out next to the cash register. It was a bunch of oranges and on top one single banana.
1: Aren't you going to answer the banana?
0: So I picked up the banana and held it like a phone and I said, "Hello?" Don't freak out. Olivia? Hey, well. Uh what's happening?
1: Well, I guess the easiest thing to say is that Time sort of on hold for a moment. On hold? Yeah, on hold. Well, what does that mean? Look around you. Everything's stopped. It's buffering. Like when Netflix or Hulu has technical problems, you could see the still image of whatever you're watching, right? But it's not playing. There's no sound, there's no movement. How is that possible? Come on, I know you've noticed it, Will. First, it was just seconds, then minutes. Didn't you say something like this happened at Thanksgiving with your you and your dad?
0: Yeah, but I mean, that was just me and my dad. This is...
1: The whole school.
0: Just the school?
1: From what I can tell, I got up this morning and went down. If you go into town, there's still cars driving around. Everything's normal. But the second anyone or anything crosses the school grounds, they just stop. They freeze up. Maxine and I never got stuck in time. I don't exactly know how. Time stopped at 8.18 a.m. For everyone but us.
0: Well, then why didn't it stop for me?
1: My theory is... That because of what happened with you and your dad, somehow you were able to avoid freezing up. You were able to avoid the buffer.
0: Well, uh, but that's good, right?
1: No, Will, it's not. It's not? No, you're stuck, fully conscious, in 818. For however long it takes for time to reset itself.
0: And how long will that be?
1: I don't know. How long does it usually take for Netflix to stop buffering?
0: Ugh, ages.
1: Exactly. Look at it this way. Time might stop all time for all we know. Hell, time could pause every single day for 20 billion years for all we know. And then start up. And we'll never know because, all, because we're all frozen up with ta- time. But you? You're stuck in this nowhere space until time resets or until you can find a way to reset time. And
0: what happens if I can't get time to reset? Am I stuck like this for 40 billion years?
1: Well, let's find out. Pinch yourself. Ow. You felt that? Yeah, it hurt. It was just a pinch. Well, it didn't feel good. Baby. What? Listen to me. This just means you're still alive. You're still feeling pain. You're still thinking. You're still aging. So if you don't figure this out, and it does go on forever and ever, what's going to happen to you?
0: I'll die?
1: Exactly. And I can't save you. Listen, I think Max is calling me. I've got to go and see what she wants. Will, I'll call you right back. Whatever happens, keep the banana with you, okay? I will. I, Olivia. (sighs) Bye.
0: And then she hung up. And I was left alone in the cold, dead soundlessness of the Student Union. Except, for just a moment there was something. For just a moment I could smell the warm, inviting smell of. (laughs) Was that maple syrup? It smelled heavenly, lingered on my nostrils, but then it was gone, and I was left wondering if it had ever been there at all, and suddenly it all felt lonelier. I left the student union and cut through the pavilion. There was a ledge that looked down onto the athletic center in the distance, now towards North Quad, not to be confused with northernmost quad, which is the South Quad. I was probably fifty feet up, and I felt this perverse urge to jump. Give me a sign, I thought. Just anything. A gust of wind, the sound of traffic, the smell of syrup, the, the feeling of the cold in my mouth, something moving. Something. Just give me something, and finally something did move. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. It was this small something, green and sickly, slithering on the ground like a snake 20 feet from where I stood. I backed away from it, away from the ledge, and quickly I took off running in the opposite direction. It was a bad dream. I decided. The whole day was just a bad dream. I would go back to my dorm, I would go back to my blankets, back to Dolores. I would I would make myself wake up again, and this time I would wake up for real, and the world would be moving, and everything would be moving. And I would never have to think about this day again. The banana began to ring, but I ignored it. I trudged on back down towards the dorm, and I thought... If I can't make it through this, then I have to leave. I have to leave, Windler, and never come back, and, and, and what would it be like when people noticed? For the rest of the world, it was 10 a.m., 10 p.m., 4 in the afternoon the next day. It was already impossible to tell. And on the other side, people would be wondering why loved ones hadn't called them. Teachers who didn't teach on Monday would be proceeding as though nothing was wrong. For us, it was eternally 8.18 a.m. Just for us. My feet touched the sidewalk, and all I had to do was walk a block, and I would be off of Windler property. I would be in the town of New Cardiff. I could go anywhere I wanted. I could wait until the day was over. I could, I could find a scientist. I could tell him what was wrong. Or her. Or them. I mean, there's no reason to gender the scientist. That's my mistake. I walked half the block, and as I approached the borderline, my apprehension began to grow again and again the banana began to ring. I answered it. It was like Olivia had read my thoughts.
1: Hey, just checking in. What's up? You're not trying to leave, are you?
0: You don't know that.
1: Well, Maxine is psychic now, and she thinks you are.
0: Oh, damn it, I always forget that. Well, it it seems like a good idea, doesn't it? Don't leave the school. Why not? Because
1: I don't think you can.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. But you and Maxine could leave.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm actually calling you from the town cafe right now. But you?
0: You're stuck. How? I mean, like, I know I'm stuck when I'm in the school, but if I leave the school, right, it stands to reason that it won't be 818 anymore, and I will therefore no longer be stuck.
1: Okay. Look at it this way. This school is stuck in a particular point in space-time, and so are you. And the difference in time might make you an impossible presence to the rest of the world. Do you understand?
0: Yeah, no, actually, Christopher Nolan, I don't understand. I do not understand any of this.
1: Okay, okay. Let me explain this as simply as I can. You, Will Hughes, like everyone else on the campus, are currently stuck at 8, 18 a.m., physically at least. Everyone else is frozen in place waiting to buffer. You're not. It's like when your computer freezes up and your arrow turns into that spinny beach ball thing. Right now, that's you. You can move around like an arrow on a computer, but you can't click any tabs. You can't do anything. You're stuck and useless.
0: But that protracted mixed metaphor still doesn't explain why I can't leave.
1: Because, well, you exist at 8.18. The rest of the world has moved past 8.18. So, if you try and leave the school, if you're all of a sudden try and go somewhere where it's not 8.18, two things could happen. One, that you will leave the school, but never be able to come back as long as time is frozen.
0: I can live with that. What's the second option?
1: That the timeline won't be able to reconcile you existing at 8.18 and 9.43. But not in between. And in order to prevent a paradox, the universe will simply write you out of the timeline and you'll cease to exist.
0: I'll... cease to exist?
1: You can't just skip over time, Will. It's not like getting blacked out drunk on four locos. It's just not possible. Well,
0: which, which one do you think is more likely? Do you really
1: want me to tell you?
0: No, I just want to get out of this, Olivia.
1: I I know. So, find a way to get things started again. Sometimes the best way to fix a buffering is just to refresh the page. Maybe. If not, if you leave, think of everything you're leaving behind.
0: I did think about it. There would be my mother, who was supposed to be teaching that day, and a sick thought occurred to me, that she was probably up in her office, and she was probably stuck here. I thought about that, and the idea that I might never see her again, and that was enough. I started to walk back up the hill. But it turned out that she wasn't in her office, and I thought that was a good sign, but I had to be thorough. So I went down to the faculty parking garage to see if her car was there, and sure enough, it was. It was. The door was open, and apparently when the buffering had started, she'd been getting out of the car, a cup of Starbucks coffee in one hand and one leg already, setting foot on solid ground. I tried the passenger side door, and I found it unlocked. I slid inside. I sat down next to her. I put my arm around her neck, and I tried to pull her towards me, but it was no good. She was stuck, like a statue. After a minute, I gave up. I sat there in the passenger seat my breath not even able to fog the time-frozen window, and it was, it was hopeless. And so, with nothing else to do, I pressed myself against my mother's frozen body, and I started to
2: cry into her.
0: Maybe this is how people disappear. Maybe I'm not the first. Maybe time buffers like this a lot. Maybe, maybe there have been plenty of people like me, people who Don't stop people who waited their entire lives for time to restart, and it never did. People whose bodies decomposed into dust before time could ever start again. Or maybe this was something new. Maybe this was all part of something new. Maybe this would happen more and more, even if it could restart itself. I mean, after all, Dr. Holloway herself had warned me about this. Time keeps skipping. Maybe she was right. I have no memory of the afternoon of the Thursday before break ended. I remember going upstairs, I remember my feet on the stairs going to my room, and then I was at the dinner table with Dean and my mom, eating chicken. And there had been this sense of confusion, like, they didn't know where the afternoon had gone either. They didn't know why we were here, but we were here, eating chicken. I thought about all the things I was going to lose, my graduation, all the years that I could have enjoyed ahead of me, all the years that I had been looking forward to, the future that had made those first 18 years of my life seem bearable were all gone. I'd been planning a summer internship. I was thinking about graduate school, I was thinking about a master's and a doctorate, I, I was thinking about teaching anthropology in a place like this, to students like me and Olivia and Noah and Jess, I would have liked that. And thinking about that, thinking about all that, I felt even worse. And that was when, even as I buried myself against my mom, I reached up and I felt something something that wasn't there before. I looked. I looked at her neck. On the back of her neck, there was this tiny protrusion of flesh, this mass that almost looked like a lever or a joystick. How long had that been there? Was it a lump? A tumor? What was odder still was that it was tilted to one side. It was almost like a switch. And instinctively, I reached up and... I flipped it to the other side, right to left... It was easy. It was almost mechanical. And when I did, there was a moment. There was this sound, almost like humming, and then my mom let out this gasping breath and fell against me, her coffee slopping all over me, and she said, Will? What the hell? How did you get here? It's a long story, I said. Oh. Well, I don't have time to hear it right now. I've gotten 8.30. I'm running late for... Actually, I said... You might have some time. And as I said this, the banana began to ring again. I put it to my ear. Olivia told me to pass it along to my mom, and I said, It's for you. So my mother took the phone in her hand, and in the course of a few minutes, Olivia explained the situation to my mother. What I don't understand, my mom said, is how you were able to unfreeze me. I don't know, I said. I guess it's like there was this weird skin thing on the back of your neck, and I played around with it, and it unfroze you. Will, she said, I have told you to leave my skin tag alone. I'll get it removed when I have time. No, Mom, it wasn't Taggy Gyllenhaal this time. Please don't call it that. It was like this switch just appeared on the back of your neck, and I flipped it, and you just unfroze. Well, is it still there? She turned her head, but there was nothing just the back of her neck. No, I said. No, it's gone. Well, so what do we do now? Now? I don't know. I I, th- I think you might be able to leave. Well, okay, then let, let's go. Well, that's the thing though, Mom, is um, you, I think, are able to leave. I don't think I can so I want you to go home I want you to tell grandma and Dean what happened and I want you to tell them to wait for me all right well that's out of the question well I'm not leaving you here to die yeah and I'm not letting you stay here and die with me now go home to Dean mom please no mom please just do as I say no I know you're trying to protect me will but I'm staying here And it was then that Olivia pointed out to us that it was unlikely that either of us could actually leave. But, if we wanted to, an opportunity to fix the situation had been presented. If everyone had one of the weird switches on their necks, we could just go through and restart everything manually. Ah, but that's going to be tedious, I said. Well, said my mom, it's not like there's anything better to do. So we both got out of the car... In the car next to us, Dr. Coogan in economics sat, frozen, playing best fiends on his phone. His door was not unlocked, so I looked at my mother, and I said, What do we do about... But before I could finish the sentence, my mother had taken the tire iron out of the back of her car and had shattered the glass window. The shards hung, suspended in air, and carefully she reached her hand through and touched the back of Dr. Coogan's neck, feeling around for a switch. Eventually she found it. He sputtered to life, looked around, looked at the glass in the air, and said, Oh my god, hey, Jane, What what's happening? Shut up, Coogan, she said. I just freed your ass from time prison. You owe me a cuppa. But my window, but
2: my window, that's you. That's what you sound like.
0: Now come and help us flip some neck switches. What does that mean, Dr. Coogan asked. Slowly, we began to progress through the parking garage. Each time we came upon an occupied car, we either slipped inside or broke the glass, and in this way our number grew. After what felt like about an hour of solid work, we had made our way through all four levels of the parking garage and into the campus security office and unfrozen all of the campus safety officers. By this point, we had a cadre of about 23 unfrozen people, which I would remind you is 1% of the total Windler U population of students, staff, and faculty, a whole percent. It was at this point we all made our way up to the lobby of the student union. Officer Maureen, the head of the campus safety department, called an emergency meeting and said, we'll go in parties of two. It could be parent-child like Will and Jean, or by husband and wife like Dr. Morganson and Dr. Campbell Morganson." And the rest of you, I'm going to pair off by who I think has a crush on who. So get in line. Each of us is going to take one academic building, go through and unfreeze everyone. And then send them here once they're unfrozen. And I'll have a big vat of hot chocolate waiting for them. My mother and I were assigned to the administration office. Before we left, I let myself into the radio station and signed on. The stream had frozen, but the mic turned on. I wasn't sure if I was broadcasting or not, or if the broadcast would ever reach the outside world, but it was worth a try. In only about half a minute, I warned the outside world to avoid the space over Windler University. Don't drive by, don't pass through, don't fly over. If you're an Adderall dealer, go and sell at the middle school instead. And then, my mother and I set out. And as we trudged through the snow across the quad, she said to me, "'What
2: classes did you
0: say you had this semester?' I said, French 2, Creative Nonfiction Writing, Anthropology of Reproductive Rights, and Intro to Latin American and Caribbean Studies. Oh, busy semester. Yeah, plus, you know, I'm department librarian for Anthro, and then there's the Book Club, and the Pleasure Club, and the Bluegrass Ensemble, the Jazz Combo, uh, the Nonfiction Writers Guild, the Archaeological Society, the Future blowers of America, which was Eric's suggestion, the Record Club. Oh, and that reminds me, I still have to listen to uh, For the Roses by Joni Mitchell this week. Um, the Foreign Film Appreciation Society, which, oh, I can't forget about that. Eh, Quaidon's only three hours long. The Amateur Dissectionist League. This week we're doing an armadillo. The radio station. And, oh, and my weekend volunteering session at the State Home for the Morbidly Obese and the New Cardiff Rabbit Animal Sanctuary. But, you know, aside from that, I'm actually pretty open. Well, don't take this the wrong way, but I don't think it's healthy for you to be putting yourself through all this. Well, I don't have much of a choice, do I? I mean, I want to look good when I'm applying to grad schools. Grad schools? Well, yeah, I mean, once I graduate, I just want to get started on my master's. And that way, hopefully, I can get that done by 25 and get my PhD before I turn 28. And, I mean, if I'm lucky, I could be an anthro-professor by 30. You want to teach? Well, I mean, I don't know if I want to teach, but I want the option. Part of me really wants to do something in archaeology. Hmm. What? Nothing. It's just... Well, I, I went right from college to grad school, and... Honey, I'm not sure it was the best thing for me because of Dad. Well, obviously there was your father, but even before I met Andrew, there was... It was just a shit ton of busy work, and basically I never had time to enjoy being young. Well, why don't you just take a few years and go and do something else? Because I, I don't want that. <laughs> I want to be an anthropologist. Mom, I've already lost time, but thank God I found something that I was actually passionate about. And you want to be an anthropologist? Like, as a career? That's the only thing I ever wanted. Exactly. Well, why is that bad? You wouldn't tell H.P. Lovecraft not to write weird racist Algernon Blackwood fanfics. I'm just saying, well, you started taking anthropology because you met Jess, and she was the first person you talked to here. If you had talked to Trevor, you would have gone into theater. If you had met Eric, you would have been an art student. If you'd met a frat boy, you would be an econ major. It's just what it is. Yeah, but Anthropology is what I know. It's what I do. I just don't want you to limit yourself. You used to love music, Will. You you could get back into that, or you could be a writer or an actor. You could be a chef. You could be anything you want to be. Yeah, but what I want is this, all right? Now, can we please stop it? <sighs> sure. We walked into the administration building, Gradually, we worked up all the floors, through the bursar's office, through housing. Karen Limpinetti had been putting up new pictures of her cats when she'd been frozen into head janitor Joe's office, which was just a black, empty void with a calendar on one wall, which displayed the month of June in the year 1972. And on the otherwise empty desk, there was a coffee cup, which just said the word, work. Baffling, said my mother. We worked our way upstairs and into Dr. Collins' office, where it seemed that he had been spinning around on his desk chair. I flipped the switch on his neck, and he fell over and said, "'Ah! Hughes, confound it! You've disrupted my whirly-gig!' Heloise sat pensively at her desk. My mother flipped the switch on the back of her neck. Heloise did not move, but her eyes looked up at her. "'Time froze for a bit, didn't it?' "'It still has,' said my mother." "'Pity,' said Heloise. "'Oh, well, I'll make some appointments. "'Hopefully this will all be over soon.' "'My mother tapped me on the shoulder and said, "'Here, you go ahead. "'I've got to talk to Dr. Collins for a minute.' "'Okay,' I told her. "'So I went out into the hallway and put on my headphones, "'tried to have a nice little moment for myself. "'But as I did, I heard that slithering sound again, "'and I smelled that horrible, sweet syrup smell. "'I looked.' The shed layer of skin crawled along the floor next to me. Its eyes almost seemed to look up into mine, and slowly it crawled toward the elevator and squeezed through the crack in the door. The red, going-down arrow on the elevator began to glow. It was odd. That elevator had never worked before. I went towards it, watched as it counted floors. Third floor, second floor, first floor, lower level. I pressed the down arrow. It was quiet for a moment. Then the machine began to rise again. First floor, second floor, third floor. The door clicked open. I stepped inside and pressed the lower level button. Slowly the elevator began to sink. There was almost a hazy feeling about it, like my feet weren't even touching the ground. It was like I was floating there. And then, then the doors swung open and I found myself in the basement. We hadn't been here yet. There was a janitor stocking the vending machine, frozen in time. No one even used that vending machine anyway. There was the mail room. There was the print shop, not even open for the day yet. There was a door, looked almost out of place. A big, almost grand oak door set against the wall just by the stairs. It shouldn't have existed, this door. It would have opened onto... What? A crawl space, really? The smell of syrup was almost sick-making. It didn't smell like syrup at all anymore. It smelled like—well, it was something that made my nostrils burn. The banana began to ring. Will Olivia?
1: Where are you right now?
0: Uh, the the basement of admin.
1: What are you doing down there?
0: I—I'm not actually sure. Get back upstairs, okay? Okay. Um. Hey, Olivia. W- what time is it actually? It's about noon. Okay, gotcha. Um. And then, are are you and Max safe?
1: Yeah, we're fine. We're out walking through the town right now. They got the school barricaded. Who is they? I don't know. People from the government, I guess.
0: Well. What are they doing to help the situation?
1: I I don't know. I guess they said that they'll get a scientist to come help. What does that even mean? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. Go back upstairs.
0: <sighs> Yes,ums. Yeah, some... So I flipped the switch on the janitor's neck and made my way back upstairs. As I did, I heard a different voice say in my ear Well I paused. Will. It came again. It, it was a different voice. Somehow it was neither masculine nor feminine. It was just a voice. "'Where are you?' I said. "'Come to the observatory,' the voice said. "'Come now.' I pushed the door open and went out. On the front step, my mother was standing there, talking with Collins and Heloise. "'Will?' she called to me. "'Is everything okay?' I'll be back, I told her. That doesn't answer my question, she said. I know, I'll be back. If anything, it leads me to believe you're not okay. I know, I'll be back. I walked out through the snow. It felt cold to me again somehow. I could almost feel it seeping in through my boots, and I felt this wonderful rush of joy, this wonderful sense of, we're almost there. This is almost over. I walked out to the observatory. The space monster that lived in the crater behind it seemed to be waiting for me. All of its many eye-shaped holes were fixed on me. I said, Mr. Floofles, is that you?
2: Well, the voice said, Come
0: closer. We have to talk. How come I can understand you? I thought Olivia and Maxine were the only ones that could talk to you. Ordinarily,
2: Yes. In your reality, when time and space make sense. But we're not in that reality anymore. We're not in any reality. You can understand me. You can make small talk with a possum if you really want to. The rules have dissolved.
0: I know. Do you know what's going on? Yes, said Mr. Floofles.
2: I've seen this many times in my life. It's time, Will. That you knew the truth of what I am. Why I came to this place when I did. Why did you? I came here because of Olivia. Olivia? When it was absolutely certain she would go to school here. That is when I came.
0: Why? What does she have to do with any of this?
2: Will, this planet is dying. It's been dying for a while. For a while its death throes were prolonged, sated. But last spring that changed. I assume you know what I mean.
0: Electro-Man shot the lightning bolt into the Earth's core.
2: And threw time out of joint, yes. You were unable to prevent it. I had hoped that by forming a bond with Olivia, I could prevent it. Why? Because I knew that with both of you here, Villa Americana would be unable to resist pestering this school. Now you see what happened.
0: I think so. Because we were both here, it was inevitable that Villa Americana would do what they did.
2: Electroman, Man, Tristan, Frank, a tragic creature dislodged from her own time, yes. And she won't be the last... You might meet Abraham Lincoln or Jack the Ripper, for all I know. How shocking it will be when you find out who he truly was. Or should I say, who she truly was. Time will continue to destroy itself. These pauses will become more and more common the further we go. And they won't be contained in just this school. It was my hope that you could stop what happened, but now we have to fix it. Eventually, if we don't, your world will stop moving, and that is when it will take it for its own. It. It. It is what I came here to warn you of. A creature that lives outside of time, a creature that devours. Once your world is stopped, it will eat everything. That is what it does. It leaves nothing but the bones.
0: So, what does this have to do with
2: Olivia and you? I came here to stop it. Because that is what I do. Me and my people. Willow, we once lived on a planet like this. At one time it was a paradise. But we grew careless, me and my people. We destroyed the planet around us and it came and took everything. The smartest among us figured out how to flee, not just through space, but through time. But in their greed and avarice, they thought only of themselves. They took their closest acolytes and fled. But a renegade group of scientists, myself included, found the research they left behind and replicated it. And as my planet died, we fled. Soon after... Die and stopped for us, just as it did for you. Everyone I ever loved was gone. Some turned to revenge. Some of my friends and cousins hunted down the nobles who had left our world and killed them, hanging their pelts on the wall.
0: It sounds like they had it coming, I said.
2: Yes, I suppose. Me, I never cared for revenge, Will, just survival. Everything I loved... I lost I don't want that to happen to you so now I seek out planets on the verge of collapse and I try to save them I find smart capable people and in this case it was Olivia and then Maxine and then you and I must ask that this next thing I tell you remain a secret between us okay even to Olivia
0: "'What is it?' I said. "'Is it a sexy secret?'
2: "'No!' "'You could tell me if it was.' "'In time!' "'There will be only one way to prevent total annihilation, one among you will make a sacrifice, "'and I think it will be Olivia.'
0: "'What kind of sacrifice?' "'But Mr. Floofles said nothing.' "'You're gonna
2: kill her?' "'Not kill her, but it will be a sacrifice.' One few would make, and you will lose her, all of you. Well, no. No, no, there has to be some other way. Perhaps, but it is unlikely. Many a great martyr has been mourned by their disciples' will. It is best you not tell her. She will come to embrace her fate. She's already begun to suspect it. But I'm sorry, Will. Fate is fate. We're not stronger than it. Not even me. This, this is unfair. Yes. Yes, it is. I'm so very, very sorry. I felt myself starting to cry. Please don't cry. If there is another way, I'm sure it will present itself, but you need to keep a stiff upper lip for now. This will work itself out in time, but you should go now. I
0: looked up at Mr. Floofles for a minute. A thousand terrible things welled in my throat, but I didn't have the energy for any of them. My face felt hot, and I turned to walk back toward the student union,
2: thinking, fuck this. Wait, Will. There is one other thing. It cannot tell a lie. Remember that. It cannot lie.
0: I turned once again and began to walk away. The banana rang.
1: Hey, I lost you for a minute. Is everything okay? Yeah, it's fine. What's wrong? Nothing. You sound upset. No, I'm I'm fine. Well, come on. I'm not stupid. You just did, like, a complete 180. What's wrong with you?
0: I went and talked with the space monster.
1: Oh. And what did it have to say?
0: Uh, it, you know what it actually is, Olivia? It's, I'm thinking about grad school, and I don't know if it's the right idea.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: Yeah. So that's what it is.
1: Well, I mean, you still got time to decide, right? You don't have to figure that out now. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, me? I got to go to grad school, but... Oh, I didn't tell you, Will. I'm going to be interning this summer at the JPL. The Junior Pig Farmer League? The Jet Propulsion Lab in California. NASA, Will. I'm going to be interning at NASA. Oh, th- that, that's amazing. I mean, me. I gotta go to grad school. Mm-hmm. You sound sad. Act happy for my successes, Will.
0: I'm, I'm really happy. You're a good friend to me.
1: I know. Now get back to the student union.
0: She hung up. Somehow I felt even worse. I went back to the student union, which was now more or less a troop's barracks. Officer Maureen stood with Dr. Collins and Heloise in what had become kind of a converted throne room. Maureen was passing out bowls of a disgusting-looking slop that looked like mud water. "'One at a time,' she shouted. "'Please, my dumplings, do not push. "'You'll all get your brothies when the time is right.' I found Trevor standing among the crowd. "'What is all this?' I asked him. Officer Maureen says that we can't be trusted to handle the crisis by ourselves, so we've been strong-armed into a breadline community until time restarts. What is she feeding them? I asked. Brothies, said Trevor. It's hot chocolate mixed with beef bone broth for nutrients. That sounds disgusting, I said. People are going to get food poisoning from that. Uh, I'm pretty sure the broth gets hot in the hot chocolate. That's going to kill the bacteria. It's actually quite good, Will. One at a time, you little monsters, said Maureen. The next person who shoves me is going to get no brothies whatsoever. And it was at that moment that Kevin stood up on the tables and said, All right, I've had enough. As the most senior student at Windler U., I feel that I've earned the right to speak and make my presence known during times of crisis, and I shall. I do not intend to grovel for brothies at the hands of Nanny State herself over there. I am a free thinker. I am an independent soul. I am an uncoronated king, and I shall no more grovel for broth. Fellow scholars, my name is Kevin Louise Rutherford. Join me in my coalition of the strong. Those among you who are willing to work hard by the sweat of his brow, or serve by the bowing of her loins, will be honored with tremendous brothies. Who shall join me? Who shall stand up and say, down with the nanny state, up with virtue, up with brothies. A few members of what I recognized as the Campus Libertarians League began chattering amongst themselves. But before any action could be taken, Heloise stood up and with lightning speed walked over to the table where Kevin stood and before a word could be said, smacked him twice across the mouth. I am sick of you, she said. For five years, I have listened to your nasty, vile, wretched beak spew shit everywhere you go. No more. If you say one more word, I will castrate you. Do you understand me? Kevin put his hands over his crotch and said, Dr. Collins, are you really going to let your female speak to me in this way? Dr. Collins regarded him with a weary glance and finally said, Rutherford, I didn't hear or see anything, nor do I believe did anyone else. Anything you could accuse Heloise of, I will deny to the utmost. But, sir, Rutherford, do shut your beak. You're getting shit particles in the air. But, Officer Maureen, don't you see? You can't just dole out the broth to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. They'll be selfish. They'll hoard. That's what I do. At this point, a sophomore girl that I'd never seen before also stood up. My name, she shouted, is Rebecca Mossander, Windler, Anarchist, Commune, and I say the brothies distribution shall not be halted. Are there not diabetics among us? Shall they not be given brothies regardless of their ability to work? "'If their insulin supply will cause them to expire,' said Kevin, "'then they'd better go and do it and decrease the surplus population. "'Some would rather die than work under your conditions. "'Oh, for Pete's sake,' said Maureen. "'I'm getting my taser.' "'And at this moment there was a five-person shuffle for the brothies "'as Kevin and Rebecca Mossander and Officer Maureen and Heloise and Dr. Collins "'all tried to grab for it at once.' The cauldron toppled onto the floor, spilling out its contents in a repulsive slime that smelled of cocoa and beef. I felt a hand grab mine. I looked up. It was my mom. Let's get out of here, she said. We turned and ran outside. Bye, Dr. Ballard, Trevor shouted after us. Oh, bye, Trevor. How's the Lamectal working out for you? Very good, thank you. That's great. We'll catch up later. We went outside. As we ran through the doors, we almost collided with Eric. He looked distraught, distressed. Sorry, he said. I'm just looking for Jess. You haven't seen her? I thought she was with you guys. No, no. Well, she's not with me, said Eric. No, I got unfrozen, but she wasn't there. I assumed maybe she'd already been unfrozen, but I thought for sure she'd wait for me. Yeah, I said. I would have thought... "'She wasn't in her room?' "'No, not her room, not her apartment. "'Her roommates and I went looking for her, but... "'No, we didn't see her.' "'Well, I don't think she's in there, either,' said my mother. "'But then again, I wouldn't check right now. "'The student union is currently in the middle of a violent regime change.' "'Oh,' said Eric. "'Well, that's no good.' "'And as he said this, a thought occurred to me. "'It was a very small thought, a sliver of an idea, "'but it was better than doing nothing.' I'll be right back, I said. I want to go check on something. And I began to walk back towards the now-empty academic building. And as I walked through the doors, I was once again greeted by that hollow, syrupy smell. It didn't smell sweet at all now. It smelled almost like rotting eggs with sugar poured on them. I pressed the elevator button, and it came to life. I stepped inside, pressed the lower level button, and steadily it began to fall. The elevator door slid open. As I stepped out, I noticed it. The shed skin slithering along the floor. I followed it, and led to a small door by the vending machine, the one that shouldn't have been there. I tried the handle. This time, this time, it opened. There was a click. I stepped inside. As I did, I could hear a voice in my ear. It almost sounded like Jess saying, We'll all
2: keep you company until the end of your days.
0: I stepped inside. The door shut behind me, and I wasn't in the academic building anymore. I was somewhere else. It was a living room, almost. Wooden floors covered with antique carpet. Plush chairs by a fireplace, a fire roaring inside. There were windows with velvet curtains which looked out onto a hollow winter's night. Snow fell from the sky like television static. There was mold in the corners of the room, eating away at the old wood. I stepped forward. There was the smell of coffee being brewed and bacon cooking. Above the fireplace there were picture frames, three of them. One contained a silhouette drawing of a young woman. One held a dead mayfly stuck through with a pin. And in the center of both of them was a portrait of what looked like a capybara. Make yourself comfortable, came a voice from what almost felt like the other room, and yet seemed almost to be broadcast directly into my brain. It'll be just a moment now. I sat down in one of the chairs, and then after a moment, I heard the sound of footfall approaching. I turned. Standing over me was a six-foot-tall Belgian waffle with human arms and legs, it held a tray in its hands, on top of which was a plate of food and a mug of coffee. There we are for our auspicious guest. Scrambled eggs with chicken and dewy sausage, cheddar cheese, mushrooms, and white onions, as well as a pour-over supreme. I hope you'll find it to your liking. I hesitated. I've not poisoned it, said the waffle. It's very safe to eat. And this said, the waffle picked up a forkful of food and held it to itself. A small hole emerged from one of its craters, and a gelatinous tongue snaked out and took the food. There, now. Bon appetit. It's not often I get to cook for a guest. I'm very glad to have you. To finally make your acquaintance, Will Hughes. It sat down in the chair opposite me. I figure you must have a lot of questions. I shrugged. Oh, please do eat. I'll happily answer everything in time. I guess my first question would be, who are you? My name, said the waffle, if you were to hear it, would drive you instantly to madness upon entering your ear canals. It is in a language which I cannot reasonably broadcast into a human mind. So, with that... I will give you the opportunity to pick a name for me if it would help you. Well, you look kind of like a waffle. Yes, I suppose there is an uncanny resemblance between myself and the human breakfast food waffles, though personally I would not recommend trying to eat me as even a single mouthful in my present state would contain as many calories as a gram of plutonium. Noted. But, if you would like to think of me as a waffle or the waffle, I suppose I'll pay it no mind. It's a pleasure to meet you. The waffle extended one of its hands, and we shook. There was a whirring sound. A bright pink orb of light came roaring through the room. It bounced across the walls for a moment and then went back out through the doorway, A moment later, another orb, this one green, came following it, tracing an almost identical path around the room. "'Pay them no mind,' said the Waffle. "'They're overstimulated these days.' "'What are they?' "'That,' he said, "'was now. "'And before that was then. "'And what are you?' "'Me. "'Me, I am what I am.' and what is that god a god well not so grand not grand at all really i'm i'm sort of a lobster or a catfish an interstellar garbageman picking the flesh off the whale bones as they rot so why are you here i'm here said the waffle because i was called it's not my custom to go where i'm not invited who called you "'Well, I suspect you already know that. "'You were there the day they threw the Earth off its axis, "'the day time got all flibbity jibbit "'I was there.' "'Really, though,' said the Waffle. "'Let's be honest, Will. "'This has been a long time coming. "'I've seen planets rise and fall since the beginning. "'I still remember the first time it was light years from here. "'Galaxies and galaxies away, there was a young planet.' It cooled quick. Things happened in just the right way. Evolution came quickly. The people, well, they weren't people. They were sort of these bird, jellyfish, snail things, but they evolved quick. They were smart. What happened to them? I asked. They discovered fire, said the waffle, and they grew to love it. And from that point on, it was inevitable, really. Every planet suffers the same tragedy. The contest for survival breeds necessity, which mothers invention. Invention breeds innovation. Innovation brings boredom. Boredom and terrible, terrible pride. And pride brings the end of all things. That's the way it always goes. There were people who tried to stop it, of course. There are always people like your friend Noah, the homegrown, amateur, eco-terrorist. People like your smart friend Olivia. People like you, who commit to do and ride, whether the rest of us like it or not. What does that mean, I asked. What it means, what happened to you? and those 50 other kids. That was a tragedy, Uh, a true testament to what I mean. Boredom and hubris run rampant, turning kids into animals, but you, Will, you were so blind trying to make it right that there are now hundreds of unemployed Ohioans with mouths to feed, I didn't make the call to shut down the shipping center, I said. No, you did not, but Paul Renton warned you. He told you there would be consequences, but you had to fight. You had to swing your rosy little pecker around, and now, Will, you see what happens. I scowled. The waffle quickly added, But don't you see, Will, it ain't your fault. What happened to you happened as a baby. You couldn't have controlled it, but all the day long you've been running around trying to fix things, like you always do. I mean, you are God's born damage control man. You are God's rubber band. Look at the world around you, Will. Famine, war, genocide. Can you honestly say that it's worth the effort? I sure don't think so. You've seen what humans are capable of at their worst you and and olivia too which is why it baffles me that you two of all people want to try and stop this thing that's coming what's coming i asked an evening out said the waffle the evening out of everything one day soon the world will stop will and when it does i will come and i will eat And you and everyone you know and everything you know will be a part of me. That's not a threat. I mean no malice by it. You'll be happy, all of you. All of you will be made into one. I looked at the waffle. That's all very interesting. But misguided, isn't it? You've never lived among the worlds you devour, have you? I live in a place outside of space and time, so, no, I don't tend to socialize with mortals. I can tell. You say I should be happy the world's about to end. You say that I've seen the worst parts of humanity. But I don't think that's true. There's worse things than what was done to me, and... Even if not, I... I have seen the best parts, too. I've seen people capable of things you couldn't possibly fathom. I have been loved. I've been allowed to love. I've seen some of the most despicable people you can imagine grow and change, and when I think about that, I think, you know, maybe I don't agree with Noah and my mother dismantling oil wells, but maybe I don't not agree either. Maybe I think the world's worth fighting for, even if the fight has to get a little ugly. You're wrong. The waffle sighed. I passed it back the tray, and it snapped its fingers, and the tray vanished into thin air. Why did you come through this door? You sent for me, I said. I made my presence known to you. I did not invite you. You came a-calling for me. So what did you want, Will? Jess, I know you have her. The waffle was silent for a moment. You do have her, don't you? Yes, she's here. And I thought about what Mr. Fluffles had said earlier. It cannot lie. You're keeping her here. She already came to you, didn't she? The waffle was silent. I asked you a question. I expect an answer. You have no right to speak to me like this boy child. You haven't the faintest idea of who... No, and I don't much care. Where is she? The waffle sighed. One of its craters opened up and it spat out Jess's necklace. Give her back, I said. I absolutely will not. But you can. I can, I thought for a moment. All right, let me tell you what. Let's make a deal. Let's make a wager of sorts. A wager. That's what I said. I'm intrigued. Go on. What do you want from this wager? If I win, when I win, you will unfreeze Jess and you will let us both go. If you win, I will stay here. I'll be absorbed by you. And we can devour the planet together. Oh, Will. You'll simply never understand, don't you see? I didn't take Jess. Jess came and found me. Jess, much like you, was unfrozen when time stopped this morning. She got here before you did, went through the door before you did. She and I had this exact same conversation, and she chose to stay. She chose this? Well, it took some convincing, but yes, ultimately she did. I don't believe you. Jess wouldn't do that. But inside, I was thinking, would she, though? Well, regardless, she thought she was smarter than me. Look where she is now. I don't care. I, I want this. I want a wager. Come on. All right, all right, I'll give it to you, you pretentious ass. But you need to understand, Well, No, you understand. Play. "'Seeing that you're my guest, I shall allow you to pick our game. "'What is your game, Mr. Hughes? "'Darts, billiards, globlaps, and makakus?' "'What? Do, "'Do you not have that one here?' "'No, we don't. "'But I was thinking maybe... "'Maybe twenty questions. "'I mean, after all, you are a being of supreme intelligence.' "'Yes, I am,' said the lawful. Don't be egotistical, Will. There's nothing in heaven and earth that you can fathom that I can't guess at. And then there are things beyond your limited scope of perception that I could throw at you. Things beyond your wildest dreams. Well, then this will either be really easy for you, or it's going to be very embarrassing when you lose. All right, said the Waffle. We'll go rounds. Twenty questions will go till one of us is stumped, Agreed. Let's set up parameters, I said. Let's be pleasant. I know you can't lie, so I'll abide by that, and I won't lie. I swear to you. And if you catch me in a lie, you can kill me dead on the spot. Very well. Since you've been a gentleman and abided by my handicap, I will abide by yours in turn. All of my answers will be things you could guess at. Very good of you, I said. As guest, I would like to guess first. I suspect you already know what your answer is. Gives me time to think of mine. Very good, said the waffle. Proceed. Are you an animal, vegetable, or mineral? Those are three questions. Are you an animal? Yes. Are you a barnyard animal? No. Are you a mammal? No. No. Are you a land mammal? No. Are you a bird? No. Then you're a sea creature? Yes. Are you a deep sea creature? Yes. Are you a fish? No. Do you eat meat? Yes. Are you slimy? Yes, I think so. And you're... Intelligent? Oh, yes. So, I reckon you're an octopus. The waffle sighed. I tip my butter to you. It said, you got it. Got it in 12, I believe. It made a sound like it was gritting its teeth. Yes, it said, in 12. Although, really, I should have counted your animal vegetable minerals, so we'll call it 15. Hmm. Still less than 20, though, isn't it? That is not important. No, because um, 15 is more or less than 20. I can't remember. It's probably more than 20, right? And the waffle suddenly grew to enormous size, and the fire in the fireplace began to rage and pop. 15 is less than 20, and I believe you knew that, you smug, smug child. Oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Pride, Will Hughes, is the end of all things. So you said. I'll bet you haven't picked out your answer yet. I thought for a minute. I hadn't. I looked around the room, looked at the necklace on the floor, looked at the fireplace. There had to be something to help me, something that it would never think to guess. And then the answer came to me. I could feel it. I could feel myself smile. I'm ready. Now, how do I know that you won't break your word? Humans, they lie, Will. They lie like dogs. Then let's make another deal. If you think I'm lying, you can kill me. But if you're wrong, if you're wrong and I was telling the truth, then by definition, you've lied. And if that's the case, you will also have to destroy yourself. Do you think I'm a fool? No. I'm wagering mutually assured destruction. The universe cannot exist without me, Will. There'd be dead planets and carcasses everywhere. You're boring me, I said. Fine! Go! Waffle, I said. I was under the impression that you were the one who had to guess. The paintings fell from the mantle. The room began to shake, and finally the Waffle said, You are an animal. No. You are a vegetable, nay, a mineral, then. Non merci, there's nothing else. That is not a question, I said, and very calmly began to pick up the pictures that had been perched on the mantel. Do go on, you've only asked three, unless you yield. You're a fungus. I had to think about it. It was sort of like a fungus, what I was thinking of, but still, was it a fungus? No, I decided not. No, I said, you hesitated. Boy, if you lie, the answer is no. You're a place then. Oh God, no. You're uh, uh, a a person? I thought for a minute.
2: Hmm.
0: No, not technically you are uh, uh, a your thing then yes i said and i calmly sat back down in my chair i'm a thing the waffle thought for a moment you are a household appliance 8 no you're a piece of furniture 9 no you you're a fucking piece of art you're a sculpture no and no 10 and 11 that was one question No, actually, it was two. You asked if I was art, you asked if I was a sculpture. What you did not do was wait for my answer. Otherwise, if you had, you wouldn't have wasted a question. I suggest you keep going, you're at eleven. The waffle started to speak, but I said, You counted animal, vegetable, and mineral as three. I'm allowed to do the same, aren't I, old sport? It grunted. Yes, you are. I motioned for it to continue. Your movie of some kind. 12, no. You're a sport of some kind. Mm, no. This category is too broad, it's not allowed. Oh, I said, are you angry? Would you like a hint? You're not doing very well. The waffle picked up the chair it had been sitting on and threw it against the wall. You shut your dirty little mouth! I shrugged, smiled you're a book no your country that's a place no 15 it's you you you're at the, you're this very school itself another place that's interesting 16 you're an octopus and you lied I'll come off it 17 i oh. You are the very concept of time, or or philosophy, or art, or the earth. You're the very earth itself. I said, buzzer noise, sorry pal, no, 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 and new, and that was actually
2: 21 questions.
0: So I'm afraid the game is over, my friend, and I am sorry to say, you've lost. The waffle raised a fist and flung it against the wall. It left a huge hole in the wood. You! lie it said i've not it's not fair it's not fair it's not fair it is well then what were you what were you isn't it obvious i did think it would be i'm you old sport i'm you well but no then you sit you're not a person you're not an animal By your admission, you exist outside of space and time, outside of the mortal realm. Therefore, categorically, you're a thing. A plain and simple thing. You're an entity, if you like, but you're not an animal. You're not a vegetable. You're not a mineral. You're not a person or a place. You... You
2: cheating boy, you
0: can't do that! It's done. No. It's against
2: the rules.
0: How... We defined the rules. We never said it couldn't be something in this room. We never said it couldn't be each other. You could have chosen me, and if you had, answer me this, if you had done that, would you not have held me to it if I hadn't guessed myself? Well, no, but, but that's, it's perfectly right and fair. I said, you're a thing. You're, you're lying. You, you you broke the rules. I think you lied. You You never had anything planned out. You picked something stupid out of a hat and now you're trying to make me look dumb. and Then kill me. If you really think I lied, then kill me. But if you do, and if I didn't lie, then you have to destroy yourself, remember? The waffle looked at me. And suddenly, this high pitched whining filled the room. You wretched, horrible thing! Nobody does this! You cannot make a fool of me indefinitely! Well, maybe through the weekend. It glared at me. As it did, I picked the necklace up and started for the door. I opened it, but found that I was facing not the outside world, but a brick wall. Behind me, I could hear the waffle laughing. <laughs>
2: You stupid boy, don't you see? You've got your friend. But now you're here. Outside space. Outside time. It's all stopped and you're stuck here.
0: Well, this isn't what we agreed. You said that if I won, I will let you go once time starts up again. Now and then, have to be friends again before that happens. I looked up and saw the pink and green balls of light bouncing close to each other. It's no good, you know, said the Waffle. Jess came here. She decided to stay here because ultimately, Will, she couldn't face going back to that school, to leave it, to graduate. She wanted to stay, Will. It's the thing you will never understand. Some people just run away from this world. You're wrong, I said. Maybe, said the Waffle. But there's one thing I know. In the end, run, fight, pray, ignore. It doesn't matter. You'll all of you end up running towards me. There's only me, Will. There's only ever been me. One of the orbs bounced down on the ground and nearly hit me. I ducked out of the way just as it impacted. As I ducked down, I turned to where the waffle had been standing. It was gone now. I was alone in the room, which no longer smelled like syrup, but like rot, like mold. The pink orb came crashing down. I braced myself and let it hit me. As I did, I saw my past. I was probably twelve years old. It was summer. The lake. I was hiding under the waves, watching a man throw tennis balls to his dog. The dog would swim out and catch them and then come back, and I was always a little tempted to go out after one of them myself or to eat the dog. In the end, I had gone after a fish instead, which may have been a better use of my time. I let go of the pink orb, and it spiraled against the ceiling. I took one of the pillows off the chair to defend myself, but it turned to jelly in my hands. I struggled to pull away. On the floor, the necklace began to rattle and shake. Outside the windows, the static fell like hail. I looked up. The green orb was crashing down from the ceiling. It hit the ground like a rubber ball, and as it did, I jumped on it. Felt it spring up against my body, felt my body rise until it hit the ceiling, but I held on for dear life. The pink orb careened towards me, right from my head. I shut my eyes, and with all my might, I swung out, and the green orb swung towards it, and they made contact with kind of a splashing sound, and I watched as they fused together. They consumed each other, and then I fell. Not through the floor, but into the floor, underneath the floor, into darkness, into light, and darkness, and light, and darkness, and light, and. Will? What?
1: Will, wake up.
0: I woke up. I was on the floor in the basement of the academic building. Jess and Olivia were standing over me, and Jess said, How did we get down here?
1: It's a long story.
0: We walked back to the student union. Outside, the sky was streaked with sunset, and the snow
2: was melting.
0: In the student union, Noah said, Ah, my mouth still tastes like 818 a.m. In fact, it was 537 p.m. The day was more or less over. As Dr. Collins later put it, we had taken Monday to task, and Monday had more or less triumphed. Let's all agree, he said, patting the bruised and sad-looking Kevin on the back, that what transpired here today was a snafu of a most regrettable nature. And let's all just agree that classes start tomorrow morning instead. Does that sound good to everyone? And throughout the crowd, there was pretty much a that it did. I sat with Jess. My mother came over and put her arm on my shoulder. I called Dean. He was really worried. but. "'Apparently your grandma had another slip and fall this morning, "'so they're at the doctor's. "'He's been so good with her, Will. "'He's a good guy. I really like him. "'Me too,' she said. "'Dr. Whalen came over to us. "'Will,' she said. "'Jess, I have big, big news. "'Come to the lab with me. "'The eggs have hatched.' "'They hatched?' said Jess. "'Oh my god, do we have a breeding pair of siblings?' Well one of them stayed dormant. It didn't hatch, but two of them did. So when you're ready, I would like you to come and meet Lily and Rosemary. Oh well it's it's probably just as well that the species doesn't continue. Yes, said Dr. Whalen. That's what I thought. And then the other egg hatched, and I met Jack. Jack? like the jack of hearts yes but like a a male yes she said well what is what does that mean i said it means children that we have officially saved the dodo bird congratulations we stood up and followed her but before we could walk out i felt a tap on my shoulder it was dr collins hughes hang back with me a minute go ahead bradford he'll catch up just nodded and walked off Dr. Collins opened the door and we stepped out onto the quad. Take a walk, he said. What's wrong? How are you, Hughes? I'm fine. I'm I'm good, actually. You did very well today. Do you know that? I'm very, very proud of you. I don't know what you did to get things going again, but I imagine it was incredibly brave and heroic and all that. Thank you, sir. Well, why are you so eager to go to graduate school? So that I can be a professor? Why not wait? Why not enjoy being young? Why do you want to stifle yourself? Because I I want to teach anthropology. Do you? Hughes, in the entire time I've known you, do you know what's impressed me the most about you? What? Many things. Your kindness, your openness, your sense of morality, and more than anything, your strong and resilient zest for life... You lost the first 20 years, but rather than being a bitter, hateful ghost of a man, you, as long as I've known you, you have taken every setback, every challenge as something new. And you view the world through beginner's eyes, which is rare and valuable, especially at your age. Thank you. I think you should wait I think you should go abroad or do something you never thought you could. You should try stand-up. You should try to cook an extravagant meal. You should go to Egypt, to France. You should find out who Will Hughes is outside of being an anthropology student. But, but what,
2: Hughes? That's the thing. I don't know who I am if I'm not Will Hughes, anthropology student.
0: He put his hand on my shoulder and said... You would be Will Hughes. Thank you. And, Hughes, there is something else. I want you to promise me, be patient with Jess this semester, all right? Yes, sir. No, I mean it. This was her last first day of school, and she missed it. That's going to weigh on her this entire semester, Will, and the closer she gets to graduation, the more... Well, it's not like I'm going to stop associating with her after she graduates. No, but... It'll be different, Will. It'll be very, very different, and I know the two of you are close. I know that she and Trent and that group, they all mean a great deal to you, but I want you to be prepared for what's going to happen at graduation. What happens at graduation? I I always just thought we got diplomas. Well, that's what everyone knows. No one ever considers what happens after you throw those caps in the air. At about 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 20th of next year, you will be a graduated person. And what'll happen then is that you and Noah Trent and Eric Sanderson and the lot of you, you'll all find your friends and family and professors, and you'll all stand around talking to the people you've known here for four years. And then, gradually, one by one, one of you will say, well, I've got to go clean out my dorm. And they'll say, I'll be right back. And time will pass. And someone else will say that, and so on and so on, each of you knowing you won't be back. There is no back. Because we have to put the chairs away. Uh, And then what? And then you'll clean out your dorm and you'll leave Windler University. In fact, you'll have four hours and then the cops will come to evict the squatters. Squatters? Oh, we've learned from past experience there'll be squatters, Hughes. Right, yeah. But moreover, you'll be done with school. With schools. And you'll keep seeing your friends over Facebook and Instagram. You'll see them move, get jobs, get married, have children. You'll message them, first a lot, then a little, then happy birthday. Then one year you won't message happy birthday. And you'll say, I'll do it next year. Only, only what? That's the thing, Hughes. The terrible, terrible thing about Windler, or any place like this, is that it's a home. For some students, it's the best they've ever known. For others, it's a stopping point. But it's a home. It's the worst kind of home. It's a home that can't last. By design, it's a magic trick. And one day the spell breaks and you'll be changed. But you won't be enchanted anymore. Well... Does Jess know this? She figured it out about this time last year and had the good sense not to tell you. Don't tell Maxine or Olivia yet. They don't need to know. Let them enjoy living in the illusion a bit longer. But... That's not fair. No, it's not. If we can teach you only one thing while you're a student here, it would be that nothing good or bad ever lasts
2: forever. But that can't be it. (laughs) It can't be. There just, there has to be something else.
0: Yes, there does, doesn't there? Only, what else should there be, Will? I opened my mouth, but no words came to me. For the first time since I could remember, I didn't know. I closed my mouth again and I said, "What do I do now?" "Now, you go and see those little birds, and you get dinner, and you hope the snow melts and when it does, you enjoy the wild flowers." And he patted my back and said, "You should go. They'll be wanting you." I nodded. I wanted to say something. I wanted to say a million things, but nothing came. Good luck to you this semester, Hughes. Dr. Collins' hand faded away, and he had turned and walked back into the student union, and I was left there, once again alone. The wind rustled through the trees. The sun sank low. The snow fell slightly. And as I walked off,
2: I walked alone.
0: Dry Land was created by, written by, and performed by Adam Frost Venrick, with original music by Mr. Frost Venrick, and produced by Mr. Frost Venrick and the Z Theater Company. This week's episode guest starred Anaya Fernandez Dokey as Olivia Cabrera Shea. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for more Dryland.